It's time to talk Monday Night Raw, and one of the best Raws that I've seen in months. It felt truly like a Raw after WrestleMania, albeit three weeks late. A Raw that saw two big returns, as well as some great wrestling, good promos. It had it all. Let's get going right now. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast, everybody. This is the Monday Night Raw review on Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. I hope everyone is doing well. And, you know, it's not often that I come on here and I give so much praise to a show. There's a lot of criticism on my end, admittedly. Most of the time it's deserving. Sometimes it's just not in a good mood. And WWE gets the backlash from that, no pun intended. But I really enjoyed Monday Night Raw. I, I, I mean... I got to say that this was a Monday Night Raw as I started the show with saying this Raw felt like a Raw after WrestleMania. It felt like the show we should have gotten three weeks ago where they just essentially phoned it in and had no plans at all for the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. And this is a show that just seemed to have it all. I mean, from start to finish, this show was just well-rounded. I mean, I'd give this show an A-. minus. I mean, really, if I was going to grade it, I'd give it an 8 out of 10, uh, maybe 8.5 out of 10. And I know that doesn't exactly equate to an A- minus in mathematical terms, but you guys catch my drift. It was a very good show. If I was going to give it a star rating out of five, I'd give it four out of five stars. It was it was really that good. Um, and many of you may disagree. I mean, some of you may say or, or think something was really bad and you didn't like it. And, and then that's cool. This is a subjective topic, of course. But I mean, I, I'd love to talk to you guys about why I loved it. And, and and I don't often come on here. You guys are used to me coming off the bat and, and hammering Monday Night Raw. I mean, everything from Edge's promo, addressing the Undertaker lighting criticism and addressing the fact that he's using big words now and all like, I love that. And, and Edge, his mannerisms have changed in a good way. Damien Priest is a great heavy, a great foil for him. Uh, th- I mean, there is just so much to talk about here. Of course, headline, spoiler alert. Okay, you've been warned with two big returns of Mustafa Ali and Asuka. And this was in Knoxville, Tennessee, or as they like to frame the University of Tennessee. I haven't actually dug into if that's actually the fact, because a lot of times they will massage the name of the place that they're in to make it sound better. They do often do that with places that they're not uh, proud of being in, especially southern towns, the, the, the no name towns as they would like to refer to them as where they'll say they're in the shadow of this or that city, or they're in the outskirts of this city, or they're in the university of whatever. They're really not in the university. Uh, So either way, they're in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Glenn Jacobs, Kane was there backstage, but uh, Knoxville got treated to, I think, a true Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania and just a well-rounded show, everything from really good wrestling to promos to returns. I mean, it had it all. And um, this right now, I think is the best Monday Night Raw of 2022. I think it was. And it started off with Randy Orton getting serenaded with his 20th anniversary of his debut. And I actually was um, 
pleasantly surprised to learn that it was the actual debut date. Like it was the 20th anniversary to the day that he debuted in WWE at, uh, on April 25th, 2002, when he debuted against Hardcore Holly. So I really, I mean, the, the symmetry is always nice. And when the day lands on a Monday Night Raw, that was nice to see too. I got to say, I, I was a little bit worried that when they had everyone surrounding the ring that it was going to take away from the segment. And the segment got a little bit muddled with everybody getting into the ring, but they cut it before it got stupid, right? Like, I think that having Ezekiel come in and then, uh, the, you know, the Usos stay coming out and, and then, you know, Kevin Owens, which Kevin Owens, I got to say, man, I, this Ezekiel thing is gr- growing on me a bit, particularly because Kevin Owens is making it so funny that he's on such a mission to prove what a liar Ezekiel is, that he's really Elias and the hip, the hypocrisy of Kevin Owens and his character accusing someone else of lying. When in fact, that's all that his character does is also hilarious. And he's taking it so seriously. He's on such a mission to, to humiliate Ezekiel, uh, that he is, he's making a comedy segment out of it, but also being serious. So it's, it's working right now. Uh, I mean, it is a bit of a fall from grace from being the opponent of Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania, certainly. But hey, it's the aftermania season, and it's—I mean, you, you can only have so high of expectations in the in the WrestleMania hangover season, which is the reset button. And I think that uh, Kevin Owens, while I was down on it at first, I think is—it's—it's uh, it's fine. I really don't have a whole lot of negativity to say about that, and even Ezekiel, who is doing a fine job right now. And the, the gimmick being that he's trying to fool everybody that he's really Ezekiel and he's not Elias. And I like that. I think that that is right now it's working. And the, the crowd seems to be mildly warm to Ezekiel. Um, I think that they will they'll continue to come around to him. Uh, and Ezekiel adding those like those kind of ultimate warrior type of armbands is a nice addition to his otherwise extremely generic outfit their attire that he wears to the ring so that part of the segment was fine uh, randy orton addressing who has helped him throughout his career uh, how much fun he's having and even saying that he's nowhere near done and i believe that i think randy orton does have another five to eight years in him i truly believe that now randy orton has said on the pat mcafee show right before wrestlemania when he appeared that he has a, he thinks he has another 10 so he could make it 30 years I actually don't think that's impossible. Eventually age catches up with us all. And if Randy Orton continues to make sure that he's economically taking bumps and taking bumps when it makes sense at this point in his career, he's got nothing left to prove. Then I think he could do it. You know, he's in a tag team right now that is saving his body because we have riddle. Who's doing 80% of the work and Randy gets the hot tag. That's just the formula now. But I'm not I'm not complaining about it. I think it's smart for number one to change up Randy's just overall storylines that he's in for him to be in a tag team with Riddle. People seem to be re-energized now with RK Bro where it started to fade. I think they've now been reinvigorated. And who the hell knows when this tag team is going to break up? It it may be now sometime. Uh, but with Randy Orton's career here, I think as far as bumps go, this is a really good thing for Randy Orton to save his body while he doesn't have to do a lot of the work. He cuts more more relaxed promos. You can tell he's very uh, loose now versus the stringent kind of psychopathic sociopath style of promo. 
He's now in a more relaxed environment with Riddle. Yes, they will eventually break up, whether it's Riddle that turns heel or Orton that does the typical RKO and drops Riddle and he's the heel. We'll have to see. Maybe that's a SummerSlam or beyond. I mean, who knows at this point? But the tag team division's never been hotter. I mean, at least in the last couple of years in WWE. So that's a good thing. I mean, remember the good old days of anything you can do, I can do better. You guys know what I'm talking about. The Street Profits and the Viking Raiders going to like local gymnasiums and doing ridiculous stuff. And they were the tag team champions. I'm old enough to remember that. That was only a couple of years ago uh, during the pandemic era. So, I mean, we have come a long way and I'm really enjoying the tag team division, which tells you there's no reason to break these two up right now. And uh, so anyway, I think it was a nice open with Rollins interrupting and getting in Cody Rhodes face. The one thing I'll say that I wish they did is having Cody Rhodes and, and Randy talk. I wanted them to have more of an interaction. I think it's because they're saving that for down the line when one of them turns heel and there's a reason for them to have a matchup after RK bro is disintegrated. And th- I'm, I'm assuming Randy would be the heel in that scenario. So if that's the case, then they're saving that interaction for that time where they can pull on, you know, the, the legacy group uh, memories and story that they built 10 year, 12, 15 year, whatever the hell it was. I mean, what was it? 12 years ago. It was a while ago with legacy. So maybe that's why they're saving it. But I really, other than just a face to face, I wanted them to have an actual dialogue. I was craving that because that's a cool moment of Cody Rhodes going back to AEW, reinventing himself, being a, a success, coming back and not feeling like a secondhand star to Randy and Randy in his own right being a star and and having them come come together after all these years in front of the camera and seeing what they have to say to each other. But again, I think that's being saved for down the line when probably Randy's the heel, probably. So uh, anyway, guys, I I know I'm going a little bit long in the tooth on the open here, but I, I enjoyed Raw as a whole. And again, welcome to the WWE podcast. It's it's great to be here on a uh, Tuesday. I'm actually doing this in the morning for once, and I'm trying to get this out earlier than normal. But I want to thank you for being here. If you guys don't want the ads, we certainly know we got a lot of them. I know there's probably one coming up right after I <laughs> give you guys this plug, but we really would invite you, if you want to get rid of the ads, for $1 or $0.99 an Apple Podcast to do it. Patreon offers a dollar solution to all of your uh, ad-free needs for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ad-free shows. For $1, as well as the Discord server, you can actually get merchandise as well. If you go up in tier, you, there's merchandise available, mugs, t-shirts. I think that's available on the, is it the raw? I think it's the raw tier. You think I'd know. That's embarrassing. I don't. Uh, the raw tier and the pay-per-view level tier, those are available to you if you so choose. As well as uh, on our website, going VIP on our website allows you to get video and ad-free everything. If you go to our website and go ad free, just click the go VIP button right at the top. So uh, let's get into the, uh, the, the the details of Monday Night Raw. And again, I did allude to it a little bit on the open here about the Randy Orton celebration, which I thought was was good to to to, you know, I, do I dare I say very good? Probably not very good. It was good. You know, I, I don't like so many different like interruptions and in story, but it was fine. To find a good, I I really don't have any complaints about it. It got close to teetering on a mess because of so many people interrupting and little like side stories going on with everybody. 
it started to get convoluted and foggy, and I almost tuned out. Kevin Owens brought me back. Of course, the Usos really uh, grounded me again, and uh, I enjoyed what I saw. I did. So, boy. Um, so let let's move on here after the celebration. Uh, I, I know that um, some some I'm looking at some reviews as I read this. I know some of you don't like that because you think I'm being lazy in analysis, but I like to compare what other places are saying. Bleacher Report gave this a C plus. I would actually give it like a, I'd give it a B, just a B. So there, there are a half grade below me. That's fair enough. So, all right. The next match or the next segment was a match, which was surprising to me that it was the next match, the Raw Women's Championship match of Bianca Belair and Sonya Deville. And I thought this match, number one, I said in my uh, weekend review, if you didn't listen to it, I said that if this is placed at the end of the show, look out for a title change. Since this was a second match, you knew that this was not going to be a title change. And I thought the match was okay. The match actually was, if there was kind of one negative about the show, and this is a soft negative. It's not one that's rant worthy for those that love when I go off on rants. It's really not. I'm sorry. But the match was okay. It was underwhelming. It, it kind of under delivered for me for as good as Bianca Belair is in the ring. Maybe it's the lack of actual, in-person, on-camera, national audience platform that Sonya has not had in such a long time that I'm not sure exactly what the problem was of why these two didn't have a great match. Uh, not every match is going to be great, of course, but I don't know. The, the level of talent in the ring here, it was a bit kind of perplexing as to why it wasn't so good. Maybe it was the fact that it wasn't a very long match. I'm not sure. It was okay. Uh, even Bleacher Report, which again, I did not read before I, I am giving you my thoughts. I'm not cheating here. I did watch Raw. I have my own you know, original thoughts, I promise. But here's what Bleacher Report said. This was really strange. The way it was booked was obviously designed to make Belair look like a valiant warrior who can't be kept down, but it ended up being more of a mess than WWE probably expected. The second half of the match was better, but it still had the crowd, but it was still crowded in the ring. They gave this a C. I actually would agree with that. I give it the C. And yeah, it was a bit weird that Bianca Belair was um, it, 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 the match having keep getting restarted. I, I I don't understand why. I mean, I understand why they did it to give Bianca Belair or rather Sonya was trying to give herself as many opportunities as possible to win the championship. She got counted out, you know, and then she got disqualified and then she kept changing the rules as she went along. A heel thing to do, I don't know. It it was, it, it didn't need to be that way. I don't think. I think it it could have just been a straight up match. It didn't need to have all those bells and whistles on it. Um, and having Bianca Belair hit the KOD on Sonya clean for the victory was fine. I think it was fine. It makes you wonder who her next opponent's going to be. Given that Bianca Belair cleanly beat Sonya, that would tell you she might move on. But was so close to WrestleMania backlash. Maybe Sonya tries to interject herself one more time. And here's what I'm here's what my thought is. I think that Sonya Deville is her her WWE officiating title is going to be put on the line against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania Backlash, as well as the women's championship. So maybe Bianca comes into Adam Pearce and says, I have a proposition. I'll give Sonya another shot at the women's championship if she puts her WWE officiating uh, title on the line at Backlash. So that's that's the way I'd propose it. Or maybe the board, since they're doing an internal investigation, they're the ones that propose that and put her 
her job on the line. If she beats Bianca, she gets to keep the Raw Women's Championship and continue being a WWE official. But, I mean, when you see what she did, too, after having Zelina and Carmella come into this match, too, to try to help her, we got uh, Sonya Deville slapping both women backstage and then again covering herself by saying she's a WWE official. How long does it take to do an internal investigation in which you should be watching the product every week, by the way, if this is a that coveted of a position and you have that much power, wouldn't somebody be overwatching Sonya anyway? And why does it take so long to do an internal investigation? You have all the proof you need to just demote her to a performer, you know, or to a wrestler. Sorry, DJ Kuzmo, a wrestler. Oh, that poison runs deep, doesn't it? But I, I think that what they're going to do is what I said earlier. Uh, that they're going to put her WWE officiating title on the line and that'll go away. And she'll just, she'll be a, 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 a just a wrestler after, uh, after next Sunday. That's what I think is going to happen. So, I mean, she gets away with slapping people and, and how is that just that in and of itself? You just take that one incident. You, you erase everything else that's happened over the last year and a half and just take that one incident. She should be fired. Why? I don't know why it's taking so long. There's a lot of negligence on the side of the WWE board of, of directors or rather the WWE board of whatever they call them, uh, upper management is being negligent in and of themselves by allowing somebody like this to run Monday night raw. So there, there's a lot of, uh, negligence to go around if this was actually real, but, uh, okay, let's move on Veer versus the Sam brothers. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. This was Another squash for Veer. This is what you'd expect. If the goal was to continue to make him look powerful and continue to make him look unbeatable and build him, fine. That's fine. I I don't have much to say about that. It's exactly what you'd expect at this point in Veer's build. So we can have DJ maybe break that down for us on his uh, mailbag that'll be coming tomorrow about the Veer Mahan watch. Stay, Stay tuned for that. As far as the arm wrestling match goes... This is probably where most of you would think that you know I would rail on Raw or I'd have some kind of rant that, oh my God, they have an arm wrestling match. I'm actually not going to do that. I think this, this segment was actually fine to good. Why? Because they actually had a finish in the arm wrestling match. I can't believe I'm saying that. Because typically when the heel starts to lose and you see their arm going down, they'll throw the table on the baby face, claim that they never actually lost, and then they just get beat down. Bobby beat Omos in their arm wrestling match, but then proceeded to blindside him after MVP distracted him and they beat him down and Omos hit him with the arm uh, wrestling stand and they continue to build heat as MVP runs his mouth. I think it was effective. It was simple to understand. I mean, you can't have Omos in a match every week. You probably should get him exposure, but this was effective for what it was designed to do. As far as arm wrestling matches go, the ranking of this, I think it was fine. It, it, it was it was effective. I don't have any anything bad to say about it. I don't. So, all right. Let's continue on here. Let's talk about Reggie and Dana Brooke versus Tamina and Akira Tozawa. Okay. Now, if there was one bad thing about Raw, there's there's one fly in the ointment. This is it, right? This was not good. And even Bleacher Report said it wasn't. Not that they're the gospel of reviews and and everything they say goes, but Bleacher Report killed it too. They gave it a grade of F. 
I'd agree. I'd say D, D minus. Pretty close. And Tamina and Tazawa ended up winning. And we saw a couple of people try to pin Dana for the 24-7 title. She escaped and ran this. Uh, here's what Bleacher Report said. They said it wasn't funny and it did nothing to help anybody involved. Yeah, I mean, but what do you expect? Like the 24-7 title right now is in and of itself by definition just a bad segment. I mean, whatever you're doing with it, it's going to be bad. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's over. So, all right. Um so here's some interesting uh, here's an interesting note, though. While I know that, again, some of you are probably saying I'm lazy analysis or using somebody else's review as a guide. I'm not. I'm just comparing notes. So you know, relax. But here's something I want to address about the notes from Bleacher Report. DeVille, Sonia DeVille, that is, who is this is what they said. Bleacher Report. DeVille, who is openly lesbian, has been pushing for positive LGBTQ plus representation for years, and WWE just keeps teasing the possibility of two women kissing. The way that WWE treats the representation of that community is disappointing, to say the least. Okay. Okay, I need to be careful here. Um, Okay, I mean, maybe I shouldn't even comment on this, but I'm gonna because I can and I'm, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is professional wrestling. This is a fantasy environment. This is not politics. This is an escape from politics, news, the war in Ukraine. It's the escape that we all go to. And there's a lot, whether you like it or not. And I understand, like, I've, you know, nothing bad to say about anybody involved here you know, or, or whatever. I'm going to remain neutral on this, but I will just say there's a lot of uh, politicizing of the LGBT community, but for the better or worse, that's an objective fact. And I don't need overt representation of a political community. Now, I'm not saying that they're only a political community, but in this context of WWE, I think it would be viewed as a, uh, well, we're putting them in because we have to, right? And two women kissing on WWE television, I don't think is anything new. Uh, here's the thing. DeVille may want that in WWE. Many others may want that in WWE. But here's how the men are going to react to that. And some of you say may say, well, it's because of the misogyny, right? Well, it's just human nature. If you're a straight man and you see two women kissing, while others may view it as, wow, that's great for LGBTQ uh, representation, here's how those straight men are going to look at it and go, damn, right? They're going to look at it and go, yeah, HLA, right? They're going to go back to the Eric Bischoff days. So <laughs> they can represent it if they want, but it may come off a very, a, a, a much different way than if uh, WWE just did it to make sure that this community is represented in a fantasy environment, by the way, it's not real stories. Okay. But, um, I don't know. I mean, bleacher report to say that the way WWE treats the representation of that community is disappointing bleacher report. I got to sometimes ask you, uh, what exactly have they done in representation of that community? Why is it? What's disappointing? What is disappointing that they don't have an, like an overtly trans person on the show? Is that the problem? Like, well, if that's the case, like, why, why, 
Like, are we going to have to make sure that we represent every single community that ever exists? I mean, why are we just limiting it to LGBTQ? I mean, clearly Bleacher Report has a political agenda here. I'll just leave it at that. Um, again, I have no problem with two women kissing, but if WWE is going to do it just to make sure that they represent that, that community, uh, that good luck with the 18 to 40 year old male demo viewing it as, wow, that's such, that's so cool that they're being represented. Yeah. They're not going to view it that way. They're going to get a whole lot of cheers from the male audience. And, uh, it's not for the reason that they intended it for. Let me just put it that way. So good luck with that. They're in the, in the wrong demo to try to do this. I'll say that. Um, so anyway, Oscar returns, Becky Lynch comes out. So we had two big returns. Actually, I guess you could call it a return. Becky Lynch comes out and we have Oscar return as well. Becky Lynch comes out and she cut her hair even shorter. She's looking depressed. She said that she hasn't, she doesn't know who she is after three years of carrying the raw women's championship. She doesn't know what she is, who she is without it. Kind of a Charlotte flair thing to uh, say. And she said that she hit rock bottom. And that there's only one way to go now, and that's up. And that she's going to get back the Raw Women's Championship and never going to lose it. And that nobody's going to stop her. Asuka comes out to a pretty good reaction, I think. I didn't think it was epic, but I thought it was good. And um, Asuka, who... Nobody knows what she says other than she's got one phrase down. And she's been leaning on that phrase for years is nobody's ready for Asuka. Like, that's all she's got. Anything outside of those words needs translation. We need subtitles. But people cheered for whatever the hell she said at the beginning. Like, no one knows outside of, you're not ready for Asuka. Um, hilariously, and maybe by accident, Corey Graves, without even understanding you know, the irony of what he said, said this, that Asuka has made it abundantly clear that she's going to stop Becky Lynch. L-M-A-O. <laughs> hey, I mean, if he didn't do this ironically, uh, Corey, okay, if he did this with the actual intent to mean that she was very clear, Corey, we couldn't understand the first like three sentences. Until she gets to you're not ready for Asuka, we have no clue what she's saying. None. Zero idea. It's a bunch of screaming and just cartoonish facial expressions. That's all that Asuka has lived on in terms of promo in the ring. She's of course brilliant and it's nice to see her back. She's finally back and it's great. It's great to see the women's division now get rebolstered, which again, further cements. We don't need Ronda Rousey here. Get her out. I mean, seriously, please. We do not need Ronda Rousey here. I know she's on SmackDown, different brand, but the brand splits essentially dead anyway. So but uh, we had them, Becky tried to attack Asuka. She ducked. Asuka tried to counter. Becky ducked. She went out of the ring. And this is clearly a match being set up for WrestleMania Backlash, which also is a good thing because the women now have a match that has nothing to do with the championship. Just a grudge match. Now, we don't know what the grudge is, and Asuka probably won't be able to explain it to us. We'll have to have subtitles, a translator, or the announcers tell us. We don't understand why Asuka is targeting Becky, but perhaps... They're going to maybe build this as a number one contendership. I mean, that's probably where they're going because it all has to revolve around the title. Just as I say, it's not going to. I bet you it will. Um, but this was a an OK promo from Lynch and Oscar. I mean, Gory Graves, if he truly meant that it was abundantly clear, like Corey, what? <laughs> as the crowd would say, what? Oh, my God. All right. 
Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. This was a really good match, I thought, too. And they, you knew going into this that with Damian Priest on the rise and Finn Balor, who hasn't got a promo in months and has been on the descent for many, many months, was there as a sacrificial lamb. And while it wasn't a squash match, Finn Balor looked really, he looked, I mean, as always, he's great in the ring, but his character looks stupid for constantly staring up the stage for somebody that's like 60 feet away and getting distracted by somebody who just stands up. Why don't you focus on your opponent in the ring? There's an idea, you know, so you don't lose the match. Just a thought. Again, I'm hammering the character of, of, uh, and how they booked rather, let me be more specific, how they have booked the intelligence of his character and many other baby faces that just get distracted by things that they should have no business being distracted by. Uh, but he gets momentarily distracted. Damien Priest takes advantage and he gets pinned and, uh, Edge who, I mean, my God, he's doing such good work. He, he is doing, uh, I'm loving the fact that they're continuing, evol- continuing to evolve Edge's character, the mountain of omnipotence, good stuff. Um, and also Edge bringing the chair out to the ramp to sit there is also a nice thing where that he actually kind of brings his stage to you, so to speak. He brings his environment to you and gets to sit on that chair and sit almost symbolically on high as he judges the rest of us. I think that's the that's the mentality. That's the um, that's the psychology behind this character. And Edge's new stable, I think, is called Judgment Day. I think as Bleacher Report pointed out, and I just actually I did take that from Bleacher Report because I didn't get that from the broadcast. But if that's the actual name of his group, cool. I like it. Um, I, I really like it. And I hope that they add more people. I mean, the, the time is now to add more individuals to help Edge grow new stars. And uh, let's hope that that continues. And it also allows Edge to be on TV more, but also not take bumps because he has his minions to do that for him. So I hope that this does continue and it uh, saves Edge's bumps and body and longevity for matches when they count and when they are big time, but also gives him a continual appearance or continual presence on Raw while helping build new stars. I mean, that's it's, it's a win-win for everybody, and I really hope that they continue to add people. So uh, good job by all involved here. I had no issue other than the uh, just... Continual descent of uh, Finn Balor into uh, absolute obscurity. I mean, he's not a he's not irrelevant. The fans still love him. His entrance is still great, but they're giving him no platform to speak. We don't know what his mission is lately, where he's been, why nobody's talking to him and interviewing him. It's 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 a bit concerning if you're a Finn Balor fan, to say the very least. All right, uh, the Miz versus Mustafa or Mustafa Ali. And uh, Miz TV, which is like one of the worst segments or worst um, overused, most overused segments in WWE history. I'd love to know how many actual um, match or uh, segments of Miz TV they've had. It's got to be like hundreds. But Miz had Theory on and uh, Austin Theory or rather Theory said that he is going to take the United States championship to new heights. And um, they were kind of putting each other over. Miz and and, uh, Theory were putting each other over and seemed to be gelling very well, as two heels would do. Mustafa Ali came back and returned. This is his first 
opportunity or first appearance since Crown Jewel. And hell, it, it was kind of funny where Miz and Theory joked about Ali not having a job and asking if he still works here. And that was it's true because most people are like, oh, yeah, you're, you're still here. It's true. There's there's really nothing heal about that other than it's the truth. So uh, let's see here. Ali then said that he wants the United States championship. He called Theory a coward. And in the fastest texting, uh, the fastest text message ever written of all time, Theory, as the promo was going on, texted Vince. And Vince immediately applied, or replied, replied, making a match between Ali and The Miz. And the, the, the match was really good. I mean, Mustafa Ali, or Mustafa Ali, is... So good in the ring. I mean, and on the mic, he feels, I mean, he was the leader of retribution. We all know that. And and he was, I think, kind of put into a position where, yeah, he was the leader, but he was the leader of a group that made no sense and had zero momentum behind them. But he also showed you that he can speak and he's really good on promos. And I like his promo style. So I hope we get to continue to hear more from him. It seems to be that he has now turned back babyface. That's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, so we had Ali win here. He got the victory. And Ciampa then attacked him, blindsided him. And we'll see if anything comes of that. You know, I um, it's weird. Like, Tommaso Ciampa is, he's here on the main roster, but he's not. I, I don't know what to make of Tommaso Ciampa on, on Raw, you know. Because he comes and goes, he's like, what exactly is it? I mean, he has said many times he has no interest coming to the main roster, and with good reason. I would understand and feel the hesitancy on my part, too, because they've mismanaged so many people coming up, and then they're, you know, they're uh, they're pink-slipped or future-endeavored. So I understand that, and, I, I you know, if he ends up being an actual mainstay on the roster, we will see it seems to be the case, given that Ali just came back and then Ciampa attacked him. So they're probably getting into a program unless they're just going to be starting something for NXT. But all right. So let's see here. Um, The main event is an eight man tag team match. It felt like a little bit of Teddy Long. His spirit was injected into Adam Pierce here. So we had Cody Rhodes, Ezekiel and RK bro versus Seth, Kevin Owens and the Usos. This was really good. I mean, what what do you expect from the quality of performer wrestlers that are in the ring here, right? Really good wrestlers are in the ring. You're going to have a really good match nine out of ten times. And again, Cody Rhodes had a pretty quiet night. Didn't get on the microphone at all, which I feel like I missed out on something. But you're not going to have him in a, in a spotlight every week. So I'm not complaining about it, but it was just, I felt like I wanted more from Cody, maybe because I wanted him and Randy to talk, but we didn't get any of that. It was just, he was kind of hidden in this tag team match, which is fine. I mean, if it becomes a trend, then I'll be concerned. But right now it's just kind of like, all right, you know, step aside for Randy's 20th anniversary, you know? So, so let's see here. Everybody seemed to have their, their, their moment in the sun here. Everyone seemed to have their dominating moment. Even Zeke, uh, Ezekiel did. And however, once Randy Orton got in the ring, I mean, he destroyed everybody. I mean, he hit an RKO on all four of his opponents. Everyone got an RKO, including Kevin Owens, before the match started. And, you know, 
so we had five RKOs. The crowd went home happy, to say the very least. And uh, there's, you know, there's no, I mean, the RKO is just such a crowd-pleasing maneuver. Even when Randy Orton's a hot heel, even when he was attacking Edge and doing some of his best heel work of his career, I think that the RKO was still getting cheered because the move will never, ever get booed. It's such an over move. And the crowd got five of them last night. So good stuff. And I, I thought that um, this was a, a very quality match. No doubt about it. And this was a just an overall really good Raw. A really good Raw that I just have nothing negative to say about. Other than the, uh, of course, 24-7 title and the underwhelming match between Sonya and Bianca. That happens. Um, but other than that, again, I, I'd give this like an A- minus show. This This was a... One of the better shows we've seen in months, I think. And I don't know, maybe you guys feel totally different. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. But I, I think that this is something that maybe WWE can build on as they head into Backlash in just a week and a half here on next Sunday night on the uh, Premium Live event. So they've got some momentum behind them, guys, as we come out of WrestleMania. And after WrestleMania Backlash, we don't have to hear the word WrestleMania again, hopefully. Until you know we get towards the Royal Rumble at uh, in 2023, so guys, can, if you want, follow me on TikTok. I posted a couple of videos there too at the WWE Podcast. About 3,000 followers there. We're continuing to grow that side of things. Uh, our YouTube channel has only a few hundred followers. I'm actually going to try to create content for our YouTube channel. Just a couple of minute videos. I want to start utilizing YouTube more than I have been. Uh, we'll we'll uh, see if I have the time. LOL. And if you want to go ad-free, of course, you can do that on our Patreon side of things, on Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe for 99 cents for a month of ad-free everything. You can do that. Or our website, wwepodcast.com. Go VIP and get yourself into the ad-free realm. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I will be back tomorrow night with the mailbag. So send in your emails to mailbag at wwepodcast.com. Or for those that have not yet sent us a voicemail, you can call us and leave a voicemail. What's that number? 518-952-0247. You have three minutes to rant, rave, keep it PG, and I will get you on the air next uh, next show tomorrow night in the mailbag. And, of course, we've got all the other goodies coming this week with the NXT review, AEW, a weekly wrap-up with Mimi that is uh, done on Saturdays now. And the uh, WWE Retro coming this week with Anthony DeMarco. I did a great show last night about the state of WWE. If you haven't heard it yet, go check it out. WWE, uh, The State of WWE Part 4, where we talked really about Roman Reigns' run and why he is very sick of it. And honestly, he kind of made a good case about why they have gone too far with the Roman Reigns storyline right now. And uh, you'll have to take a listen to that. But uh, thank you, everybody. For listening, I really do appreciate it. Give us a five-star rating anywhere that you can. And as always, take care. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.